This show is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Do relationships have to be easy to be right? Of course not. The best relationships with friends, family, or partners happen when both people put in the time and commitment to make them great. Therapy can help. BetterHelp offers convenient, affordable online therapy. Start the process in minutes and switch therapists anytime. Give your relationships some love with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Writer's Voice today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Writer's Voice. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. This is The Writer's Voice, new fiction from The New Yorker. I'm Deborah Treisman, fiction editor at The New Yorker. On this episode of The Writer's Voice, we'll hear Thomas Korsgaard read his story, The Spit of Him, translated from the Danish by Martin Aitken, from the March 4, 2024 issue of the magazine. Korsgaard is the author of three novels and two story collections, as well as several works for children. In 2021, at age 26, he became the youngest writer ever to receive Denmark's Golden Laurel Prize. Now here's Thomas Korsgaard. The Spit of Him Kevin didn't have a rain jacket, and for that reason he wasn't wearing one. A pair of bananas in pyjamas pyjama bottoms bunched over the shaft of his rain boots. From his left shoulder, a flat laptop bag dangled. It had been consigned to his school's lost property box and had remained there more than four months before he claimed it for himself. Now it flapped rhythmically against his hip. It contained next to nothing, but he felt that it lent him a professional air. It was a Tuesday, early evening, and Kevin was the only person out. Darkness had descended upon him since he'd left home. Drizzle beaded his face. He told his father that he was going out to get some fresh air. He wasn't actually sure that his father had even heard him. His father never heard anything when he was gathering his deposit bottles. Anyway, there Kevin was, walking along the side of the road. Occasionally, he looked up to see if there were any cars coming. Only a single truck had gone past in the half hour that he'd been walking. He was approaching the neighboring village. He'd never been this far. It was actually quite near his own village, but his father never took him there. What would we want to go there for, his father had said, when Kevin pointed at a signpost over by the church one day and asked if they could drive in that direction for a change. It's a piddling little place with bog all to see. All it's good for is driving through. It couldn't be that little, Kevin thought now as he passed a sign with the village name. There were lampposts, too, with soft pools of light. 
white lines ran down the middle of the road. And soon there were houses, set rather far apart at first, then closer together. Lettering was peeling off from the front of one. Coffee, tobacco, betting. There were some lights on inside. He went up to a window where a small sheet of paper with some handwriting on it had been affixed. The letters got smaller and smaller as they neared the edge of the paper. Open by appointment. But there was no telephone number to ring. Kevin stood on his tiptoes and leaned forward. There was a slight bump as his forehead touched the pane. The shop window was crammed with china dolls wearing crocheted bonnets. Shoulder to shoulder they sat, staring out empty-eyed at the road. Two Madame Bleau colanders also, and a pair of hospital crutches. Farther inside, an old-fashioned spinning wheel and a desktop computer with its keyboard. There were price diggers on everything. Someone sneezed, then sneezed again. It sounded like a no. Kevin dropped onto his heels and went round the side of the house. Some tall steps led to a door. He went up them and considered for a moment a teddy bear crafted from moss which sat at the top. He raised his hand and gripped the knocker. It was made of brass and looked like a boot. But before he could bang it against the door, the lights went out inside, one after another. There were so many people you would never meet. Most, in fact. He returned the brass boot to its resting position and went back to the road. In front of the next house stood a figure of a stalk with a pink ribbon around its neck. There were no lights on. Nonetheless, he went up to the door and knocked a couple of times. He stepped back and was trying to remember what he decided to say when a voice behind him said, What can I help you with? Kevin spun around to see a square-shouldered man with a crew cut standing before him. It's because I'm out selling stickers. The man bent forward, his eyes seeming to fix on Kevin's wet hair. He looked Kevin up and down, then sipped his coat. It was the local sports club's coat. Various sponsor logos were emblazoned on the front. Kevin recognized some of them. And what would your name be? The man asked. Kevin. Kevin what? Jørgensen. You got some guts, the man said, and folded his arms. Kevin looked him in the eye. He'd heard that eye contact was important, but then the man's eyes moved. You can wipe that grin off your face too, if you know what's good for you. A baby started crying inside, and a woman's voice called out. The man went in and quietly shut the door behind him. A little click of the lock, and then the light came on in the hall. Kevin went down the drive until he reached the road again. The rain was heavier now. His boots chafed at his ankles. He paused to empty out some grit. 
Kevin walked on through the village and, after a while, came to some houses that were being built. Cable drums occupied the pavement, which appeared to be new. Some of the paving stones wobbled under his feet. One house looked to be finished. It had big picture windows. There were stickers on several panes featuring the name of a security firm and warnings about CCTV and neighborhood watch. The hedge had only just been planted. In the garden, perennials poked out of various sacks waiting to be planted. Flagstones on a pallet and a soil compactor. It was a two-story house. A few lights were on and a flame flickered in a pumpkin lantern on the doorstep. Its lid was rotten and sinking. Three printed lines on the letterbox. Candle showroom and the Rønbjerg Masten family. Kevin knew that the first names were Begitte and Henrik. Every year they donated some boxes of advent calendar candles to his school, Christmas gifts from their factory. He stepped up to the door and wiped the rain from his face, readied his teeth and pressed the bell. An intricate melody played, but no one answered. He pressed again, leaving his finger on the bell this time. The music started from the beginning, but there was still no answer. After a while, he stepped back, and he was about to walk away when a light came on behind the frosted glass. A tinkling sensation spread across Kevin's cheeks as a shadow loomed and then a woman wearing an apron was standing in front of him. Yes, she said. Yes, was all Kevin could say. Adverts, is it? Adverts, he said. Just drop them in the letterbox over there, she said. We haven't got a slot. She gestured to show him where and turned to go back in. Actually, it's not adverts. A pleasant smell came from inside. He tried to sniff it in without making a sound. Cinnamon and something else. He could see behind her and into a mudroom with shiny tiles and a long staircase going up. What do you want then? Begitte pushed a strand of hair behind her ear. Well, you see it's... Just a second, Kevin said. His hand found his laptop back. The velcro from the flap made a rasping sound as he reached inside to produce a smooth plastic sleeve. There, he said. They are a bit hard to separate in this cold weather. You should be wearing something warmer. No, I'm fine, Kevin said, in an older-sounding voice. But I'm outselling something, you see. And what might that be? These stickers here. Stickers? Yes. What for? For every sheet you sold, you could keep five kroner. The rest went to a good cause. He'd been given two thick folders full, but not that many people lived around here. You can put them on your Christmas cards, he said. Christmas cards? For example, yes. He handed her a sheet. She looked at it 
then handed it back. Christmas is a long way off, she said. Forty-eight days. As many as that? You can put them on ordinary letters too. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, Kevin said. It's completely up to you. And, because he stayed put, she eventually turned her head and shouted into the house. Henrik! she shouted. For a second, neither of them spoke. Music was coming from upstairs. A man's voice was singing along. Henrik! she shouted again. Henrik, turn that down! Have you got any chains for some stamps or something for our Christmas cards? Turn it down so you can hear me, or else come downstairs. I'm asking if we got any money for a sheet of stamps. There's a boy here. It's only 20 kroner a sheet, Kevin said, and it's for a good cause. It's 20 kroner a sheet, Henrik. Yes, all right, a voice shouted back, and the music stopped. There was a fudding of feet on the stairs and a long sigh as someone came down. A man in a checked shirt appeared in the hall. He looked inquiringly at Kevin and then at his wife. Have we got 20 kroner? she asked. What for? The boy's making an effort to earn some pocket money. Henrik extended a hand into the rain. What terrible weather, the man said. A good thing we took the washing in. We, Birgitte said. Summer's long gone, Kevin said. He felt a drip run down his neck. Birgitte, Henrik said, why don't you fetch those cookies? They are supposed to be for later. Fetch them, go on. She stepped past him and disappeared from view. The proceeds go to, Kevin began, only to be cut off. It was Birgitte back already. Her hands held out a baking tray. She gave it a little shake, and the cookies loosened from the greaseproof paper. Take one, she said, looking at Kevin and then at her houseband. Just the one mind, Henrik said. Kevin's fingers hovered over the cookies before selecting a medium-sized one. Thank you, he said and popped it into his mouth. He shuffled forward, slightly out of the rain. On the floor heating streamed from the house and warmed his face. I know who you are, Henrik said. Birgitte looked at her housebent in surprise. Kevin was going to say he knew who they were too, only his cookie was in the way. There's no mistaking it, Henrik said his eyes finding Birgitte as if wanting her to say something too. Can't you see? She scrutinized Kevin. It's O. Jonsen's lad, he said. A little gasp escaped her. A snap of breath. It is, isn't it, Henrik said, and then seemed to examine Kevin's clothing. A moment passed, in which Kevin munched and pointed at his mouth, munched and pointed. Kevin swallowed at last and smiled with pride. Yes, he said, I am. I hadn't realized, Birgitte said. She kept looking first at Kevin, then at her house band. Do you know my dad? 
Kevin said. Oh, we don't know him, Henrik said, his expression changing. But we know who he is. Kevin gave a puzzled look. From when he used to live here, Henrik explained. Here, Kevin said. That's right, Henrik said. But he's never lived here. They all went quiet. You'll be Jan, Henrik said after a second. Not Jan, Jon, Kevin said. Jon, Henrik said. Jon, yes, Kevin said. He's my younger brother. Yes, you would have a younger brother, Henrik said, glancing again at Begitte. Two in a way, if my dad's new girlfriend's boy counts. But they live in Pattaya, Kevin said. It's in Thailand. You don't say, Henrik said, and laughed as if what Kevin had said was funny. Have you been there? Kevin asked. He smoothed the front of his top. No, Henrik said rather quickly. We certainly have not. Me neither, Kevin said. He could hear his father's voice in his head. Some day we'll go there together. Only it's a bit expensive if we're all going to go. One of the candles on the chest of drawers in the hall went out. Begitte opened a drawer, took out a long-necked lighter, and lit the candle again. They are very nice candles, Kevin said. We produce them ourselves, Henrik said. I know. It keeps half the village in work, Henrik said. But what's your name if it isn't Jon? Kevin Jørgensen. Kevin, Henrik said. Yes. Begitte, Henrik said, placing a hand on her shoulder. Offer Kevin another cookie, would you? Begitte held out the baking tray. He chose another one and put it in his pocket. Thank you very much, he said. Take a couple. Kevin studied the cookies again. In fact, you can take as many as you like, Henrik said. And so Kevin took one, two, three more cookies and put them in his pocket. Are you sure that's all? Go on, have some more, Henrik said. I don't mind if I do, Kevin said. I thought so, Henrik said. Kevin didn't know what else to say. Fortunately, Henrik did. You're the absolute spit of him, he said. The spit? That's right. You look just like him. Your dad, that is, Henrik said. It's amazing, when you think about it, that a person can look so much like somebody else. Kevin's father was tall and hairy. His forehead was creased, and the creases never went away, not even when he relaxed. His father had five DVDs of porn hidden under the mattress and a bat next to his bed. His father walked with a slight limp and coughed up mucus into the bathroom sink every night without washing it away. His father hated the government, which made people work for the disability benefits. His father was a Libra. His father had green eyes. I've got my mom's eyes, Kevin said, widening them so that both Henrik and Birgitte could see. It's your hunger that gives you away, Henrik said, tapping the side of his own nose with a forefinger. What's he doing with himself, anyway? Now you mean? Yes, now. 
I can phone him, if you like. But I don't think he'd answer. I'm sure, Henrik said. It's because we only got one charger at the moment. Ah. Our dog keeps chewing them up. I see. That's not very good. No, he chews everything up. Dogs need to be trained, or else... Or else what? Birgitta said. Well, or else you shouldn't have one. He just needs to learn, that's all, Kevin said. He's only a puppy. Birgitta was about to say something, but then her husband did. I saw that advert your dad put in the local paper. What was the slogan now? It slipped my mind. Cow hoof trimmer? Oh, snow beginner, Kevin said. That was it, Henrik replied with a smile. Priceless. Kevin smiled back. It's just something he does on the side, he explained. To earn a bit of extra money. He's been looking for something more permanent. Only jobs are hard to come by if you can't work full-time. Are they really? Yes, and employers can't even be bothered to take five minutes to reply to an application. Can't they? No, they're too stuck up. Plenty of work to be had for those who want it, Henrik said. Kevin pictured his father making candles for Henrik and Birgitte 20 hours a week in a factory hall with tall chimneys. He imagined him having his lunch in a cafeteria and then coming home and talking about how his day had gone. Getting paid once a month and taking Kevin to the cinema. That'd be why he's driving again, I suppose, Henrik said. I hear he drives a brown ladder now with commercial plates with loud music coming out of it. Is that right? Yes, it's got a really good stereo, Kevin said. There you are then, Henrik said. Spotted on the main road a couple of weeks back. Says who? Birgitta said. Says Svenne, the carpenter. Well, do you know what I think? She said, folding her arms across her chest. I think Svenne should get a life. And I think you should lay off the lad. It's hardly his fault. Henrik scrutinized her for a moment. He's not responsible for his dad, she said. I could come back another time if you like, Kevin said. Nothing we can do today that can't be put off until tomorrow. How old are you anyway, Henrik said. Ten, Kevin said. Ten, Henrik said, in a strange voice as if he could tell by looking at Kevin that this wasn't entirely true. Or nearly ten, Kevin said. Nine and three quarters, actually. But I'll be ten next year. The 8th of February. You'll be having a party then? Yes, Kevin said. He could feel his cheeks growing warm. Under his bed, he kept a birthday box. In it were some drinking straws with little umbrellas attached, Leftovers from last New Year's Eve. There were fifteen in all. He dealt them out in his head. Dad and Jon and himself. Granddad insisted if he could get someone to drive him. Mom, if she and Dad were getting along. Henrik and Birgitte. Kevin smiled at them, and Birgitte smiled back. It won't be a big party, he said. 
Won't it? Henrik said. Not this time. It's the half-term holiday, you see. People will be away. Besides, it's too much fuss for my dad. I'm sure it'll be a nice day, though. Too much fuss? His son's birthday? It not because he doesn't want to, Kevin said, shaking his foot inside his rain boot. It had gone to sleep from standing still so long. Have you ever heard the like? Henrik said, looking now at Birgit. His own lad's birthday. He's got an old concussion, Kevin said. I'll bet. That'll do, Birgitte said. And Dutchinese, Kevin said. It's not easy for him. The wind gusted in the dark. Farther away, something made a commotion. It was the sound of an object dislodging, a roofing tile or satellite dish, perhaps, falling to the concrete and breaking into bits. The lawn was saturated. There were big muddy pools in the grass. The rain sheeted down. Come out of that weather, Birgitte said. You'll be drenched. She took Kevin's arm and drew him a step closer. Now, about those stamps you were selling. They are not stamps exactly. They are... To think, Henrik said, as if to himself. More than ten years ago now. Henrik, Birgitte said. I think you should go inside. She made as if to bundle him away from the door, but Henrik stayed put. Philip, he said, calmly, pensively, and shook his head. Henrik, Birgitte said, inside. Philip, Kevin said. Yes, Philip, Henrik snapped back, like the name belonged only to him. It's a nice name, Kevin said, sensing that he thought to say something, but unsure what it should be. He was only on his way home from handball practice, Henrik said. It wouldn't have taken five minutes on an ordinary night like this, especially when the weather wasn't as bad. Kevin could hear himself breathe. It was an accident, Birgitte said. Kevin dipped a hand into his pocket and was about to produce a cookie, but thought better of it. An accident, Henrik said. Is that what you call it? Yes, she said. It sounded almost as if she were crying. A terrible accident that we needn't talk about now, Henrik. Getting behind the wheel of a car when you're pissed out of your mind. Henrik, Birgitte said again. She took his hand and gave it a squeeze. The boy obviously knows nothing about it. About what? Kevin said. Let me see those stickers you've got. Birgitte said, smiling at him now. He'd nearly forgotten about them. It wasn't what I would call an accident, Henrik said. Then Kevin said what his father usually said whenever there was a program about such things on the television. How terrible. You think so, do you? Henrik said. Birgitte put the flat of her hand against his chest to shove him inside. I'm talking to the boy. I'm allowed to, you know, Henrik said. Not about this, you're not. 
Like I said, Kevin said, and gave his laptop back a pat. I'm out for a good cause. Henrik was breathing heavily. Then gradually, everything went quiet. All right, Henrik said at last. What sort of good cause? I can't quite remember, Kevin said. You can't remember. It was something to do with children. Save the children, Birgitte said. That's it, Kevin said. He wasn't sure what more to say. Henrik looked out at the garden. These are the stickers if you like to see them first, Kevin said, and handed Henrik a plastic sleeve. Henrik looked through them. Actually, he said, I'm not sure we're interested. He handed them back to Kevin, though without returning the sheets to the sleeve. Rain washed over them. Color started to run. Angels dissolved into clouds. Chimney sweeps became black blotches that seeped into toothy mice, then trailed over stars and Christmas hearts and trees. Henrik went inside for a moment and then came back. You're in luck, he said. In his hand was a small cylinder wrapped in brown paper. He squeezed the cylinder between his fingers and out popped first one, then two, three, sixteen coins in all into Kevin's outstretched hand. We'll take the lot, he said. Shiny and new, the coins lay in Kevin's palm, the queen's head on top. All of them, Kevin said. That's right, Henrik said, all of them. Kevin handed him the soggy sheets of paper. Thank you very much, he said, and dropped the coins into a pocket in his back. On one condition, Henrik said. You do me a little favor in return. Of course, Kevin said. Say hello to your dad from Henrik Rønbjerg Madsen. There's no need for that, Birgitte said. You stay out of it, her husband replied. Birgitte huffed and went inside, her feet thumping heavily. Henrik Rønbjerg Madsen. Henrik pronounced the name slowly and deliberately, almost sounding it out. Have you got that, do you think? Yes, Kevin said. Henrik Rønbjerg Madsen. Right, Henrik said. It's a deal. Right, Kevin said. I'll tell him. Have a nice evening and thank you for your business. My pleasure, Henrik said. For a moment... Kevin remained standing at the door that had now closed on him, as if he were waiting for something more to happen. As he went down the drive, he turned and looked back, and in an upstairs window he saw Henrik flop down into an armchair. Seconds later, the music started again, the volume turned up a notch. Kevin arranged the strap of his laptop back more comfortably on his shoulder, then carried on along the road. Slowly, slowly, he walked. He counted his steps to put his mind on something else. One, two, three. He passed the first of the houses he had seen when entering the village and was soon well on his way. A wind whipped at everything that was not rooted or lashed to the ground, 
Rivulets of rain ran toward him on the road, and his pyjama bottoms felt sudden and heavy. He sat down on a bench inside a pot-like bus shelter. At his feet was an empty tobacco tin. He kicked it away. An out-of-date timetable was fixed to the inside of the shelter. Beside it, some words were scratched into the fiberglass. S plus T. Talky Lund is a joke. Big bastard got his head kicked in here. 13 of August 2007. Well deserved. Thanks for info. Best fuck. Ring 97528252. Fake. Not fake. Number not working. Not working. Number doesn't work. Sad smiley. His fingers were numb. He wondered how much rain it took to make a flood. The dike could burst. The roads could turn into rivers. The bus shelter could be swept away with him in it. The rain drummed against the roof. Apart from that, there were no other sounds. He craned his head to look at the sky. His father had once told him about the moon in Pattaya. It was big there, and as orange as an orange. Here, it was small and pale. That was Thomas Korsgaard reading his story, The Spit of Him, which was translated from the Danish by Martin Aitken. This is his first story in the magazine. You can hear more New Yorker fiction read by the authors on newyorker.com and on the New Yorker apps available from the App Store or from Google Play. On the New Yorker Fiction Podcast, we invite writers to choose stories from the magazine's archives to read and discuss. This month, Sterling Holy White Mountain reads Labyrinth by Roberto Bolaño. You can subscribe to that and other New Yorker podcasts by searching for The New Yorker in your podcast app. Tell us what you thought of this podcast by rating and reviewing The Writer's Voice in Apple Podcasts. This episode of The Writer's Voice was produced by Michelle O'Brien. I'm Deborah Treisman. Thanks for listening.